but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. Have either of you ever flown a gyrocopter? <laughs> Have you? Have yeah, you? No. Yeah. I've flown in one. In but one. I did not yeah. manipulate the controls. And did you land in any particularly unusual spot? Well, you know, we were thinking about landing on the Washington Mall, but we were seven or eight hundred miles away at the time and didn't have near enough fuel for it. So, <laughs> so yeah. So we landed back at the point of departure. This guy, I you know, I don't know whether this really qualifies, but we're going to make this an honorary off-field landing of the week. Yes. And uh, this is the gentleman who, uh, in a in a uh, burst of... Uh, we don't know his name. We can, we're going to have to refer to I'll, him as I'll see whether I can get it. We're, we're, we don't have the greatest internet connection here, but I'll see if I can find the I gentleman. I was going to say, I know it was in the court records when he had to appear shackled and under arrest in federal court. Bond. James Bond. Doug Hughes. That's his name. Doug Hughes. Doug Hughes. A 61-year-old mailman from... Ruskin is apparently a town here in Florida, right? Yes, it's and, between uh, here and Tampa. Okay. Yeah, it's over that, and over yonder to the west. And in a in a in a burst of uh, civil disobedience and, and desire to uh, to Improve shine a light on on uh, uh, something that he and many people believe is a is a big big problem in our country, he decided. That he <laughs> I don't even know what he was thinking here. All right. Well, it's it's like the old line from the movie uh, Evil Knievel when Evil Knievel was getting ready to jump the Snake River Canyon. His doctor, who was annoyed at him in, in the movie, turned to him and said, well, everyone has to make their mark. Yours will be on the north wall. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody, I just can't imagine there's anybody in the aviation community that hasn't heard this story yet, but this gentleman decided to fly his gyrocopter into downtown Washington, D.C. Um, Shazam. You know, maneuvered a little bit, and then landed on the mall right in front of the Capitol building. Um, and and. It, I'm gonna, I was about to say to his credit. I'm not sure if to his credit is exactly the right concept, but but he did inform all sorts of people. He said, I'm going to do this thing. He told the media. He did everything except send an engraved invitation. Yeah. He was, well, I was thinking an ad in the Post in the Washington Times might have garnered a little more attention. Yeah. 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 So uh, so he did this thing, and, and he landed, and and thank goodness, I mean, nobody lost their mind and took a shot at him or something, you know, because... Much to the dismay of I mean, some of the critics. Because we've always believed that if you were ever reckless enough to fly into this airspace in anything like this way, you were going to get shot down, all right? And uh, No, that's I mean, no? that's the image they want. That's the image they want, but the fact is there have been numerous violations. Yeah, but, okay. But, and there have been aircraft... Armed, Not this deep into the space. Armed aircraft launched to divert those transgressions. Um, and no one has... Had the uh, the range <laughs> <laughs> to 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 land on the east ca- the west capitol lawn. Yeah, yeah. So, but even d- his departure point is even a reflection of American history. Uh, you know, and, maybe and, that's and why freedom. he chose it, huh? I yeah, believe I that's why he chose yeah. Gettysburg. Yeah. But let's let's back up a step here. Let's back up a step here, and let, let's put aside for a moment the the political and security issues here. Let's just talk about the aviation here. What's a gyrocopter? And I don't know which one. I, for some reason, it feels ultralight-like. Gyro- gyrocopter is basically a rotary wing aircraft with a non-powered rotor that's propelled by a pusher prop, but the rotation of the rotor provides the, the lift that a wing normally would. In a helicopter, that rotor would be powered. Mm-hmm. These just move by right. airflow. And the closest you'll get to seeing rotor on gyrocopters powered is many of them have a pre-rotator to get them up to almost lift speed before right. they start their takeoff sure. roll. It shortens the takeoff roll a yeah. lot. So they basically auto-rotate all the time. And yep. Yeah. And so d- descri- so it's a one-seat aircraft. Um, this particular one, single-seat, skeleton frame, the basic Ken Brock, uh, uh, Igor Benson T-frame, uh, 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 cruciform-shaped B- base. B-8, I think it's yeah, okay. yeah, Cruciform-shaped base platform with a vertical tube to support the... Uh, the uh, uh, rotor in the mast, engine mounted behind it, seat mounted in front of it, mm-hmm. and overhead yoke and, for and the rotor. And how fast do they fly? Sort of what's a typical cruise speed, would you imagine? You know, ones like this with a, about, they used to use 40 to 50 horsepower aircraft, drone aircraft engines on them, big two-cycle four-cylinders. 
and they would go every bit of 60 or 65. Yeah. So, so it's, it's miles kind of, an hour. Yeah. 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 And so it's a leisurely kind of thing. He, and as you mentioned, he depart. He he took off. Now he's based. He lived lived lives down here in Florida someplace. <laughs> right. Right now he lives in a federal institution. So no, he didn't. No, no, not at all. He's actually, out. he's at home on on, on personal. Oh, that's right. Or other. right. Yeah. He's got the. Yeah. Ankle bracelet. Yeah, I don't even know if he has that yet, but but he's yeah he's he's apparently on his own. Well, wait a second. How 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 am I going to get my mail delivered? Yeah, I know. Well, well you're lucky you don't live in Ruskin, Florida. Yeah, in, in more ways than you know. And I think he's retired anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure about that. He's 61. Yeah. Which may or may not be retired from the postal service. He's retired now, David. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know well, that, but well, my understanding, you know, part of the part of the reason he wanted to do this was. He was very concerned, perhaps justifiably, about ongoing government corruption. And he wanted to make a statement. And he had with him, a, in a postal service bin, 535 letters, each, you know, one for each um, voting, vo- member vo- voting, voting member of Congress. Stop messing with the electronics, yeah. Jack. Sorry, it's just... It's just fighting me here. All right, I think it wasn't that's until good. You right. it. I know, I know, I know. He, he had a he had a, a letter for every member of Congress, every voting member of Congress, and he had a stamp on them too. Did he? Did he really? Is that true? I, as I'm told he had a. I read somewhere each letter had a stamp. Yeah. Uh, it's just each letter was hand signed, special hand delivery. stuff. It gets more and more bizarre. Special so delivery. he he did this, but and, and but let's go back to the aviation part of this. He flew from Gettysburg. Um, which now we think is it was a part of his the symbolic yep. sim, symbolism of of the act. Um, I take note of the fact that he had to pass pretty close by uh, uh, Camp David um, on this trip. Um, you know, at least within you know. Flew he didn't have to get in P forty to yeah. Go no, from I'm, sure he, I, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he didn't still stay below the Catoctin Mountains. So and David, you were describing the other day the the sort of terrain up there. What's it like flying through that area? There, there's a small range of mountains that runs from Pennsylvania down. Into Maryland to Harpers Ferry, West Virginia, where it keeps running farther south, and you know the part of the uh, Appalachian uh, system, and uh, it was would provide a backdrop in which he could fly the, his gyrocopter below or at uh, an altitude level with the tops of those mountains and make radar a pretty tough sell. It, you know, it's probably not going to show him up anyway as small as he is. Mm-hmm. But then at Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, two rivers come together and form the Potomac, and you could follow. Yeah, now, now we don't know this part. Now we don't know we're this We're just part. kind of fantasizing here, But right? if it was me being this crazy, uh, which... Is not out of the question. We know has happened. Yeah. Uh, I would follow the, the Catoctin Mountains, the, the east side, down to Harper's Ferry, or the Catoctin on the west side, where you're really going to be invisible to radar. Stay just outside P-40, follow it down to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, and uh, yeah. And then join the Potomac River, follow the Potomac River down until you get to the Jefferson Memorial, do a dog leg to the left, and you're lined right up with the Capitol Mall. Yeah, so it's sort of base to final, and you're, you know. Yeah, uh, it's a fairly easy route. Uh, Used to fly hang gliders up there years ago, and have flown ultralights out of Hanover and out of Gettysburg. And one thing we always enjoyed was flying along the front of the mountains down there, down to Harper's Ferry, and then we did not follow... the Potomac down to the capital at that point. Yeah. We always went back to where we started from. Now, we again, we don't know. We're just speculating here. But what do you imagine would have been... Do, do you think that there's a chance that this guy endangered other air traffic in the process no. of doing this? No. Why not? The altitude that he flow, flew, there's nothing commercial up there. And most of the training traffic is going to be higher than that. There is some uh, 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 several little active airports along the way, and and a uh, sailplane operation uh, not far away. But if you're flying three or four hundred feet along a ridge like those mountains, the only risk to other navigation is going to be somebody as crazy as you are. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. Yeah. So as near as we can tell, we can't kind of come up with anyone else that he endangered in the process of doing this other than himself? Other than himself? No. The greatest danger, in my view, 
was to himself either having a you know a bad encounter winds or something flying that low next to that kind of terrain and the risk of human damage if he gets shot at yeah yeah and but, uh, uh, and it's not the brightest thing in the world to fly that low over the Washington Mall because other than the dead of winter in middle of the night that mall is always filled with people yeah yeah now and Jeb and, and I don't want to put you on the spot here if there's anything you don't feel comfortable talking about but you have the secret decoder ring you you know a little bit better than most of us what the rules are about flying in that airspace um I, I'm just wondering how you know, the, everybody's now saying he literally flew under the radar. That's how he pulled this off. He literally flew under the radar. All right. Do you think that they didn't see him? I mean, is it possible that there's that they that they can't see this kind of an aircraft even if it's down low? Oh man, <laughs> throw me a softball sometime. Will yeah, you? I know. Um, okay, a couple of things. One, there is a. Um, as we've discussed, and as as uh, many many pilots know, there's a uh, dirigible, a, a tethered balloon, um, tethered into one of the keys leading towards Key West, Florida, and it's used to as a look down radar system. It houses a radar antenna. It's used as a ra- look down radar system to to track aircraft in the Caribbean, especially those you know a running drugs, b you know just violating the airspace. And they're putting they they are in the process of installing one of these in uh, Maryland near Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. ostensibly for the purpose of looking down at what's going on uh, both in the surface on the surface and in the air. It's not clear to me right now if that was operational. It was aloft, but that's not the same as as sending signals back to a console and 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 people tracking moving traffic. Yeah. So that's that's one question. Um, it's not the least bit out of the out of the realm of possibility to me that because of its low altitude and relatively low speed, that presuming as I do that the entire area is covered by some multiple radar systems, including in the District of Columbia, um, it's it's not. Um, outside the realm of possibility, that he did fly under the radar. Um, we don't know, and we're not going to find out anytime soon from a reliable, trustworthy source whether he was noticed and or whether any radar systems that could notice him were even operating that afternoon. That 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 afternoon, um, he he. Created a lot of problems for a lot of people, I think, ultimately. But but they're mostly political and security apparatus. It problems. could be for yes is the quick answer. It could be down the road for the rest of us too. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully not. Well, yeah. But it's you know, it um, definitely <laughs> seems to have pointed out, if not a flaw, a a, a, a gap possibly in what they well, can see. If you can't if you can't spot a forty knot gyrocopter with a 30-foot rotor span and a propeller whirling dervishly behind the thing. If you can't spot something like that on radar, perhaps you should go back to the drawing board on the system you're designing. The, The other question is, of course, if, in fact, it was not seen literally under the radar, what does that say about drones? Yeah, I know. In the air, in that airspace. This is an interesting, I don't know, and but but again, you know, this thing's got a, like a thirty-foot rotor. It's flapping around. It's reflecting. It's got metal in it. It's reflecting all kinds of radar. The propeller is is turning at pick a number two, three thousand RPM. It's ref- got unless it's composite, which it may well be. I doubt it. Could be wood. It could be wood. Uh, it's probably an old metal Macaulay or something. You know, um, wood's the most common composites behind that. Uh, the engines have gotten smaller sure, over the years, sure. so they have less metal it's, it's, in them. It's all metal. Well, the airframe's all metal. What there is of it. What there is of it. But but you know it's it is moving at 40 knots, yeah. at w- within 500 feet of the ground, probably. 
um, they probably have that filtered out. That was his plan to, from one of the pieces that I read <laughs> afterward to, to fly 300 to 400 feet all the way down there. He had he had plotted his route out to allow him to do that, stay close to the ground, and 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 succeed. Because let's face it, uh, no matter what your politics are. The guy did succeed in his goal of. I I grant him that he did it from an airmanship standpoint. Yeah, Shazam! <laughs> <laughs> but this is one that deserves a disclaimer. Kids, don't try this. Yeah, at home. don't do this. This was not smart. This was really even, even if you live in the District of Columbia, don't try this. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, well, I don't know whether we wish him best of luck or uh, usually I say congratulations on getting on the ground safely. Well, it's not exactly what happened here. Uh, well, my, he got on the ground safely. My but. my recent reading or what, what what little research I've done on this is uh, he's out of jail. He will be banned from flying now. Ostensibly, this was a Part 103, um, I, I want to say aircraft, but I'm not sure that's even correct. No, the vehicle, FAA classes them, classifies them as aerial <coughs> vehicles. Part 103 vehicle. Uh, according to some, some popular press news reports, the aircraft, the vehicle was overweight. And one of the violations, perhaps the stiffest violation he, with which he's being charged, is flying an unregistered aircraft. The only weight stipulation on the part 103 aircraft and there are two one for unpowered right. one for powered right. is a maximum empty weight right didn't he have an uh, an improperly large fuel tank too yeah i i didn't hear I, that I, i'm told I, i'm told two things or, or read two things uh 255 is the is the max five gallons no 255 pounds 254 pounds 54 pounds is the maximum weight this one weighed like 300 350 something like that and and he had a 10 gallon tank when he should have only had a, five a 10 gallon, gallon tank, tank would make him in violation of right. 103 right. and that which which the FAA now says well that's an aircraft it's unregistered so you know that's the violation um surprising the the violating P fifty six or whatever the hell it is may not be that big a deal. You no, know, well, and the, the, if he had only the five gallon fuel that was stipulated by Part one hundred three, he, he still faced airspace violations. Uh, that being Part one hundred three doesn't exempt you from. Uh, yeah, I might get that. You know, that's uh, totally get that. But the ten gallon thing, yeah, that would give him the uh, that would give him cause to say, oh no, it's not part one hundred three. Same if he'd been carrying a passenger to carry the box of letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two seats, not one hundred three. Yeah. So, anyways, weird story. Weird story. Weird story. Um, understand the the, the gentleman's motivation. Um, understand the frustration. Uh, don't necessarily agree with the solution. But nevertheless, wish him well. Yeah, I guess so. Well, and, you know, this whole country exists because of people that had to make a political statement in their own way. And uh, I'll give him this. It, it, it was among the most dramatic but nonviolent, non-threatening yeah. ways that uh, you could imagine and still gain. I mean, there are large political protests in Washington every day that none of us ever hear about. Bec and they send releases to the media outlets and invite them down about this important cause. And, you know, the assignment editor is going, no, no, no. This one, everybody covered. Although, sadly, many people are not. I don't think even we have mentioned that uh, what, what his cause was. What was his cause? Corruption. He's, he, according to what I've read, and I'd, I'd prefer to hear it in his own words, but he's he's concerned specifically about unlimited uh, private political contributions. Right, campaign finance. Campaign finance reform is what he's after. Yeah. And um, uh, as as he more or less correctly notes, it's a form of corruption, and we need to end this. Yeah. So, anyways. Yeah, he wants to see the <coughs> Citizens United decision overturned or reversed somehow. I, I don't know if that's his specific goal, but that it would... It was that mentioned would, in one of... Okay, that would solve his problem is, yeah. is, is part, yeah. of the, part so, of the answer. Anyways, don't try this at home. Don't you know, don't don't try this at home. And, 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 uh, and Jack alluded earlier, 
you know, I've got my my magic decoder ring that I can I can fly into what I call the DC three airports. Other people call them the Maryland three, and and they all are situated in Maryland, but it, they're the DC three. Um, and I can I can fly into them, and I can do all that, and, and big whoop. Um, it's all voodoo. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kabuki. Better be, is the better better word for it. Uh, an kabuki. exotic form of theater. It's an exotic form of theater. Yeah. Okay. Welcome, folks, to uh, uncon- on that note. On that note. <laughs> on that note. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm coming to you today from uh, uh, not my normal spot up in uh, in some, New Hampshire. Some, some place near Sarasota. I'm coming Florida. to you. I'm coming to you from from the happiest place on earth. <laughs> no, not not Disneyland. I'm coming to you from the uh, the hidden the Hidden River home for wayward aviators, uh, uh, which it literally is this time. Um, I'm I'm here at uh, Jeb's place in uh, in near somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, and uh, I'm literally here in the same zip code in the same 10 foot radius with my two good friends. And uh, that's too close. It doesn't get it doesn't no it's not no it's how perfect. Did, how did this happen? It's just about perfectly right. It's um, normally what we say at this point is that uh, uh, notify the authorities. Um, David, I don't know if you heard this story. This is actually pretty funny. Um, you remember this? Go ahead. Um, it, back in January, we were at Sebring. And uh, and and we, as as we love to do, we bump into various listeners uh, when we're out at these these fly-ins, and so at Sebring we bumped into a listener who we were chatting with, and it turns out that this particular listener is, and I'm gonna allow, I'm gonna allow him a little bit of anonymity here, but I'm gonna say that he was a law enforcement officer from someplace here in the greater Tampa Bay Sarasota area, okay, and. Uh, and he was telling us, he said, he said, every time you guys get together like that, he says, you talk about notifying the authorities. He says, but don't worry, we're following you. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I, and, I, and I have the gentleman's card, and we, we had a great conversation. Um, and I know who he is, and I owe him a phone call slash email. And hopefully he will have that before... He hears this episode. Yeah, okay, all right. Yes, he's, <laughs> a, and, and, uh, he's a very, very gracious gentleman uh, uh, and, and wants and, and deserves some anonymity. And uh, um, I, I um, appreciate his efforts, and but, I, uh, I need to follow up. But there's no need to, war- uh, to apparently to uh, notify the authorities because they're tracking us. Well, anybody with a, brand, with a pulse as, uh, should have figured that out some years ago. I know, huh? So, but anyway, that's, a, that's a whole another whole another topic. We'll we'll do the the security podcast next week. I am we'll here that. within a ten foot radius of my two good friends, who I'll say hi to now. One of those is uh, is uh, our host is uh, Jeb Burnside. Here we're here at his home, and uh, how you doing, Jeb? I'm fine. There's airplane noise. There's airplane noise. I know it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and we are we we normally do this podcast from a virtual hangar. We're doing it from an actual uh, hangar. A literal virtual. We, uh, an actual hangar. We are yes. sitting um in the, just inside the doorway, the open doorway. Of of your hangar, uh, the the debonair is right behind us here, and uh, um, it's a, a very aviation setting. And, U- UCAP one. U- that's what the debonair is called. UCAP, UCAP one. one. I think we should get a decal of some sort. We'll get a little uh, thing that we can stick on the side that says UCAP one. Um, and of course, also here is uh, Dave Higdon. Hi, David. I could shake your hand. We're right. It's just amazing. We're Jack. How are you doing? Yeah. Uh, what's going on, David? How are you? Oh, doing doing lovely. Um, Keeping on, keeping on. Uh, came down to visit some family, uh, visit some friends here. Uh, it's somewhere in the vicinity of Sarasota. So Sarasota, easy for me to say. Yeah. And in a couple of days, uh, position and hold for a large upcoming aviation event in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah. Is it, uh, are they doing that again this year? They are. That's what I hear. That's right. We're down here for... Uh, Had a lot of email about it lately, yeah, so yeah. In a couple of days to uh, relocate over to Lakeland for the uh, Sun and Fun Flying, SNF15, hashtag, and uh, um, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be a fun week. Yeah. And uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah. So... Uh, Sorry, I'm doing so many things on my on my laptop today. I <laughs> just what's going on here? We're there's a list here someplace. I'm the close, only one who close the free cell game. I'm man. I'm the only one who can look at the list because I'm the only one here in the hangar who's well, actually. Wait, I I might have a device. Here oh, I know what we wanted to talk about. Sun and fun. We're we're getting ready to go over there. It's uh what what what's a heck of an idea. Let's really uh let's talk a little bit about what we're expecting to uh, see this year. What's what's notable? Um. I know the two things that come to my mind right away. Um, the Thunderbirds are returning, um, which is always exciting. Um, quite frankly, I think even more exciting is this other jet team 
um, which is going to be flying L-19s, and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. That, could, that. I'm not sure if I've seen that team before. Maybe I have, but uh, um, I'm always I'm, I always like the out of the, or, the 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 air show acts that we don't see all the time are the best ones in my view. Um, so. Uh, well, it's always easiest to spot something new or different or that you haven't seen before when it's a, a, an act that you haven't seen so many times that you watch the first three minutes of it and go, yep, those guys are great. Yeah. Unlike, you know, the first few episodes of our podcast. Right. Yeah. I'm searching the Internet here trying to refresh my memory. I am. I, I have the list on my phone. No, no, I have the list, but I want to know what the name, what's the other team? I'm, I'm really terrible that I don't know this and... Uh, um, so I mean, we're gonna click fly in on the Sun and Fun. You, you go, anybody can do this. You could go to uh, sun-n-fun.org and get all kinds of information about the Sun and Fun fly in. And you may actually do it faster. And yeah, well, you couldn't do it a lot slower. It is the Breitling team. The Breitling, Breitling, the uh, Breitling, Breitling, the Breitling jet team, the Breitling jet team. Breitling. Jet and uh, um, according to this, they'll be performing Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday of Sun and Fun week, and then the Thunderbirds will be performing. Well, they're, apparently they're going to do their practice routine on Friday, and then they're going to actually perform on Saturday and Sunday, is my ah. understanding. Um, so, uh, and uh, from the uh, Sun and Fun uh, um, um, website here, let's see now, uh, Night Air Show. The Night Air Show, there's two of them this year, as there was, I think, last year. Um, the, the Night Air Show, and, and don't don't uh, don't uh, discount the Night Air Show. It's pretty cool. It uh, is pretty cool. Oh, the ones at Oshkosh cool. have been pretty cool. I, I don't know that I've I've been present for one at Sun and Fun. I might try to do that this year. Yeah, it's you know it's you know I mean I, I we've talked about this before. It, it's a it's a pretty mind-boggling concept. You know I think it was Jujeb who talked about who who fantasized about the time the, the first time they went to the the uh, the uh, Fisdo and tried to get permission to do this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You want to do yeah. what? You want? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> at night, fireworks on the wingtips. May, may, may I see your certificate, please? <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> but uh, it works and uh, and it's you, could you bring a letter from your mental health professional? Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the uh, big finish of that show will be some fireworks uh, each time. So that that's pretty cool. I think but that was I think that was the the uh, thing that that how, how would you like to present that to the FISDO inspector was the fireworks? You think? Why, yeah. why would that electrical, be? Electrical. It's just it's just electrical. You got enough. Oh, you mean the fireworks on yeah. on the fireworks uh, on the airplane on the airplanes? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but then there's going to be a, a conventional fireworks show at the end with you know bombs bursting yeah. in the air kind of thing. You know. Those as a pilot, one of the things that I most enjoy about watching the night show is imagining what the pilots are having to work through to do this. I think this is a first for the podcast. There's an ant running around on my laptop here. There we go. The uh, the, the change in the lighting, the horizon, uh, you yeah. know, the, it, it's, it starts actually in twilight hours and then runs through past sunset and for another hour or so and then onto the the finale but these guys don't have these guys don't have a horizon to work with and they've got this bright stuff going off all behind them uh, flash carry on booms and i don't know what kind of reaction the aircraft might have to these things discharging Jack, my, my lawn guys came today and stirred up, you know, the, the ant's just confused. I know, it's, yeah, it's okay. well, he's even more confused now because I shot him off into the air. He's uh, someplace out on the on the driveway now. As far as uh, he's concerned. taxiway, excuse me. As far me. as he's concerned, he know, he's in a new zip code. Yeah, right. So Could uh, be the day that the first ant went into space. Yeah. What else are we expecting at Sun and Fun? I heard a story, and I was unable to get any kind of details. I, I got a semi-confirmation that they've made some changes to the Warbird ramp, that they've apparently built a new clubhouse, a new Warbird organization clubhouse out there. So there, and there may well be a, a, a little bit different uh, layout. and, and, and uh, they, They've made some changes from what I've been told to make it easier to access the Warbirds route. Yeah, it is a little bit of a, you know, zigzag kind of... Well, and it, when it gets busy as they're prepping to go out and fly their routines, the first thing that has to happen there is that the civilians have to be swept out of that area. Right. So I think they're trying to work on it. They, they, the idea was to find a place that's easier for people to get into mm -hmm. yep. so they don't have to go so far to get out of it and get off the uh, movement area, which the old, the old location. They had, you went through a movement area no matter which way you left. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't always uh, ideal. Yeah. What else are we looking forward to? Any? Uh, I know sometimes you guys are embargo. I got to get some oil. You got to get some oil. 
that never happens. Um, the uh, I know sometimes you guys are embargoed. You know about product announcements that you can't talk about. Um, do you know of any that you can talk about? Are any new products going to appear this year? Well, we got a new company we could talk about called One Aviation. Yeah, you know, That's I only true. just heard about this today, and, and I, I find it exciting, I guess. Uh, certainly remarkable. This is the combination, a merger of... Um, the what the, the sort of reinvigorated Eclipse. Um, uh, I'm not sure what its formal Eclipse name was. Eclipse 550. E- Eclipse aircraft or Eclipse, you know, Ecli- after Eclipse aircraft. After yeah. it went bankrupt and then was reorganized and kind of came back to life in in you know not only to support the existing owners but to you know try and. Oh, they certified a new version yeah, called right. the 550. 550. So it's a combination of of the Eclipse and the Kestrel. Uh, uh, which is a still a development program uh, hasn't actually uh, sold you know delivered any airplanes yet um, a, a program that uh, is kind of interesting and exciting for many reasons not the least of which is that a good friend of the podcast um, Alan Klapmeyer formerly uh, one of the founders of Cirrus is uh, is a principal in Kestrel and and yeah, is going to lead up this new combined he's business. the founding executive and he's going to be the point man for this new one aviation and the two top guys at Eclipse are going to be in the two slots right behind yeah. him and uh i think uh the idea was to produce a little more market uh momentum because Kestrel now can sell you an airplane and say and when you're ready for a jet come back and we'll take your airplane back and well, put you in this decidedly cute little no. That's twin interesting. Jet. Well, that's the, go ahead. Do you really think that's that's going to be the demographic? I, I, they're both turbines, you know. One of them's a twin jet, right. a little twin jet, and the Kestrel is not a piston aircraft. It's no, it's a turboprop. A turboprop, right? So, the, in a manner of speaking, they're both jets. I mean, they're, they're okay. They're, they're both the, turbines. The Kestrel has a PT6 in it, right? Say again. The, the Kestrel has a PT6 in it, right? No, what, no, what it's it, a using Walter? a Honeywell. So using a Honeywell, New Honeywell Walter, engine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the front end of it looks sleeker. Is it's the a, engine certified yet? I believe that a, a version of it is. So it's an update. I don't remember precisely, but it's not a a from scratch engine program. Okay, I, I, I totally get that because it's a derivative of the Walter. Right, the TFE uh, right. 731. <coughs> well, no. Oh, I'm sorry, TPE. H- Honeywell, yeah, the TPE 331 is a different engine. Honeywell, as I understand it, acquired the Walter t- uh, type certificate, the Czechoslovakian turbine engine. No, that GE did that. GE did that. Yeah, GE did so that. If, so it is a Honeywell, then, that's in the Kestrel. I, bl- I believe. So it's a t- derivative of the TPE 331. You can cut this whole Well, I was going to say, out. listeners, you can go out and get a beer. They'll finish talking about this pretty soon. Yeah, no, it's day. it's a Honeywell engine. It's a derivative of the old Garrett. Right, the, the Garrett grenade. Much more modernized, yeah. metallurgy, uh, dual-channel, yeah. Fadec. It, it, it used to be called the Garrett grenade. I'm sure they fixed that by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's much quieter. <laughs> For so many reasons, that's not the best name. I, uh, yeah. Um, but so now, David, going back to what you were saying, uh, that that's an interesting idea of what their business plan might be. That that one's an entry level airplane. That, that you know, one's a gateway drug, and the others, you know. Yeah, when you're interested in going 100 knots faster, well, in this case, from what they're promoting for the Kestrel, it'd be more like 40 or 50 knots faster. Uh, but probably doing let doing it on less fuel because those are really tiny fans. That's heads. that's an important consideration. I don't know how fuel efficient either of these these aircraft are supposed to be. It's a shame in this day and age we don't have some network well, that we can access. Yeah, but when we're sitting in the hangar, we kind of don't. We're, we're kind of we're kind of we kind of sort of don't. So um, the, the the fuel specifics may be very interesting uh, ultimately. And and if I had my choice of certificated, warranted, same price aircraft, I would definitely take the Kestrel over the 550. Yeah, no, no, no question. Oh, the, about uh, it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Although I would say I think the, I think the 550 is sexier, and it's kind of a sleek little it's, fighter plane kind of thing, you know. And which and is pr- one of the reasons I don't want. It. Yeah, but the Kestrel does look like a kind of cool personal get yeah. there airplane. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it's. It's a fairly large cabin, uh, as right. some of these single-engine turboprops are. Would you are. call it a PC-12 equivalent? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's How many? Gonna, it's going to have a little more space than the or, that, or, or a TBM 800 equivalent, something like that. Wh- wh- yeah. Which of the two? Uh, I think it's a little bigger than the TBM, but not as long as the PC-12. Okay. It's more of an oval shape uh, fuselage, too, because they're going to do it in composite, yeah. so they can deal with the compound sure. curves more easily. I mean, let's be specific. How many seats do each of these airplanes have? The Kestrel has how many seats? And the... <laughs> oh, it's really You're the one bad. with the internet access. Yeah, I know. All right, there you, you guys, just, let's, let's see if I can... No, I can I, tell you the Eclipse is a five to six seat. All right. All right. Five, if you're keeping it short, that's a pilot, a, somebody in the right seat, and four people in the back. All right. All right. Your best correlation in the piston world is a Baron. Okay, Google. Kestrel aircraft. <laughs> well, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what, ga- what Google says. I think Kestrel says. is going to be a seven to eight seat. Kestrel's uh, website already redirects to oneaviation.aero, and uh, they feature both airplanes on their homepage here. Uh, let's see if it... At, uh, nothing Allen's ever done has been yeah. the without e- the right advanced legwork. The Eclipse, and this is the... E- I'm going to read you the one graph that they have describing each of these aircraft. The Eclipse 550, the new production twin-engine jet from Eclipse Aerospace, features best-in-class performance, economics, and safety with the ability to fly at altitudes up to 41,000 feet, max cruise 430 miles per hour, all while consuming a mere 59 gallons of fuel per hour. Um, it's uh, they, they write the Eclipse 550 is the most efficient twin-engine jet on the planet, is what they say. The Kestrel, what they write, the Kestrel 350, all-composite, single-engine, turboprop aircraft, now in development, will carry up to eight people at high speed over long distances to places that jets simply can't go. It will be far more versatile, burn less fuel, and be able to maintain approach sp- uh, speeds at large, busy airports, yet land on short grass or gravel strips so you arrive at your destination faster. Those are the two one-graph descriptions that they have on their homepage. So, okay, I guess, because that was one of my questions. I, I Initially, I wondered what was the difference between these airplanes and why one company would do both of these airplanes. But I'm beginning to see that they, they serve different markets. The years of covering some of the companies in Wichita, one of the things that it took me a while to comprehend is that you could have a turboprop or a twin turboprop in a jet with very similar prices and some comparable performance numbers and have one completely incompatible for some of the missions the other could do. Uh, Short gravel strips are a forte of big turboprops. Uh, And jets just don't accelerate quite the same way. Uh, At the same time, the Eclipse 500 is a smaller, let's say more dainty airplane, and unimproved rough strips or gravel really not at its mm-hmm. purview. Yeah. The tires are going to be too small to roll over that comfortably. Okay. Uh, All right. I'm, I'm starting to be The fuselage close enough. It's going to get rock dinged. And We're going to, uh, Alan Klapmeyer, the, uh, formerly the, the head guy at Kestrel and now the head guy of this combined uh, company called One Aviation, um, is an old friend of the podcast and has been on the podcast a handful of times. And we're going to try and track him down this week uh, in Lakeland. We're going to try to do that. And uh, and talk to him and and hopefully get him on on some episode of the podcast this week. So we'll we'll get more about this. This is is kind of interesting. It's an interesting idea because there's so much dissimilarities, dissimilar. Do Do you think their PR people will be giving away free samples this year? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if anybody's going to get free samples, it's you guys, because I know <laughs> you guys are, are, are friends with the, uh, well, it's Dave's the ultimate schmoozer, so if it's get, if it's gettable, Dave will get it, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm not sure where I was going with that. I'm and not half, ordering sushi today, but, but where is he going to put and it? And halfway today? through that, I realized I had nowhere to go, <laughs> I was really needed to bail out somehow, <laughs> some way. Uh, it's called a cul-de-sac, Jack, you yeah, have to okay. just turn around and come back out. Yeah, so... Uh, Moving on. Um, a, a couple episodes ago, we talked about a YouTube video that we saw. That, I'm sorry, I've left Sun and Fun. Are we done talking about Sun and Fun? Well, I was just going to say, if you're leaving Sun and Fun, we just need to be sure and remind our friends to stop by uh, afternoon of opening day, morning of closing day. Yeah, I was certainly going to talk about that towards you the know, end of the it, podcast. Yeah, but and I've got an email i got to get it back to. We were asked about uh, meetups and, and things like that at Sun and Fun, and uh, what we'd like for, for listeners to do is stop by both our broadcasts from the uh, radio station. Um, first one will be Tuesday evening, 5-ish, 
and the second one, uh, the last one, will be um, on Sunday morning, 10, 10.30? Uh, 11 to noon. 11 to noon. I believe that's what okay. we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, stop by and uh, and, and, and maybe kind of kibitz and, and listen in, uh, but definitely hang around afterwards and visit with us afterwards. I'll, be, I'll be somewhere between the parking lot and the Phillips 66 display. <laughs> Buying your oil. Buying your oil. Um, so uh, it's going to be a fun week. And, and like you said, we're going to do two full-blown episodes, and we'll do dailies throughout the week and uh, and, and visit with it. We're hoping to track down a bunch of our friends and uh, and get them on, on various episodes. Um, Amy's going to join us on the on the first episode, on the Tuesday afternoon episode. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly get James in there someplace. I haven't actually scheduled him yet. But, uh, we should um, do that. As well as a, a bunch of our friends. Uh, we, we were talking about some of our friends that we haven't had on the podcast in a while. Yeah, we, we, we need to... Uh, we'll have... This will come up in a subsequent conversation. Yeah, right. So, anyways, so it's going to be a good deal. And uh, looking forward to hanging out with our friends at Sun and Fun Radio. So, uh, which, by the way, you can see here streaming on the on the Internet. At, uh, uh, I'm not sure what. I don't have it in my Sun head. Sunandfunradio. I don't know if that's what it is. I believe the way to find it is go to sun-n-fun.org slash radio or SNF radio or something like that. If Fun you Google liveatc.net slash SNF. I believe it is. Someplace out there right now, Dave Shelbetter is pounding on the dashboard of his truck saying, Jack, get it right. What are you doing? I, I know when he will have listened to this because my phone will ring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Justifiably. All right, now I've got to find the actual link here. It's here someplace. Hang on, where are we going here? Uh, it's you over. Know, Stuff like that could go on a list or something, you know. I know that, that could, presumes that I had. Uh, we we could call it like a contacts list or something, you know, uh, <laughs> or, or 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 website list or an intelligence briefing. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I was. Oh, is this really the? Oh, this is a weird. This is a weird URL. Sun-n-fun.org/flyin/snfradio. SPX. All right, now I'm going to have to talk with David because that's not, that's just wrong. One more that's time. That's just wrong. Let's see. Uh, so, SNF Radio. Oops, Radio. No, that didn't work. Google it. You'll find it. It's out there. And it streams live, and you can listen even if you're not at the show. And uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Can I go? Now? Is that done? Are we done with Sun and Fun? Or done with Sun and Fun? I think we. I think we've. I think I just pretty much savaged it, so we got to move on now. It's going to be some new stuff in Paradise City. Look, look, Always yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there's some new avionics out there. We'll talk some more about them at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, there's a good time will be had by all. Yeah. If you've been, uh, uh, if you if you hear the sound of my voice, and you've been in the cold of the Northeast and the North Central United States. And you want a reason to go fall your bones out just to get ready for spring up there. Yep. Sun and fun is a great way to do it. It's uh, should be good weather. Come on down. Yeah. Absolutely. Boo and wah. Boo and wah. And when you and when you finally you know this episode finally hits the internet you know in October, I'm sorry. A couple episodes ago, we talked about a video that we saw of an aircraft trying to land at, I believe it was Fort Collins, Colorado uh, airport. This is the one where we initially saw um, a a military helicopter of some sort hovering over the runway, departed, and then I believe it was a Cirrus came in and attempted to land and, and got messed up. All right, got, you know... Well, I don't want to say encountered the the wash of the helicopter because that's what what I want to talk about here. Um, in the UCAP forums, we had a couple of listeners commenting about this. Um, our pal Champ guy uh, is uh, he he checked in here. He wrote um, a, a flat lander flying. Uh, keep in mind that that uh, Fort Collins Airport is pretty high elevation. It sure. was it was like five thousand feet, six thousand feet, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's in that neighborhood. So it was pretty high up. Um, a flat lander flying into areas of altitude. Champ guy writes or heat producing high density altitude can be fooled into flying at airspeeds below normal if landing by visual reference and not following indicated airspeed first. He writes, the ground is coming up at you much faster than you are used to seeing. And then he writes, and this is my favorite line, he writes, a more fundamental rule of flying, however, is to never go anywhere near a Black Hawk. And if you do see one, go away and come back later. <laughs> so, um, If you can see this chopper, you're too close. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. So... Uh, Good advice from Shab Guy. That's right. And then uh, another pal of the uh, of the podcast, Nevion Pilot, um, Jonathan uh, uh, 
a good friend of ours. You've talked about him. You visit with him on your way. Someone else I owe a telephone call to. Yeah. He writes, I've watched it a few times, and I'm not convinced the chopper had much to do with it, he writes. The Cirrus resembled many an RC airplane that gets slow, full-back elevators applied, and one-wing drops in the plane cartwheels. I think the experience of the Cirrus pilot has to have some weight. Wait a minute. What is he right? I think the experience of the Sir, oh the experience level, I guess is what he's saying, okay. of the series pilot uh, has to have some weight. He says just my two cents. Was he a student pilot? Um, we I don't know if we know that. I don't recall the story that well. Um, finally, One thing about it, he sure demonstrated how sturdy that airframe is. If he's, if he's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Finally, um, I, I and on a much more so, uh, somber, sobering note, um, a listener, Mountain to Skies, writes. Uh, at the time of the Cirrus crash, I was working at FNL. Uh, I just want to clarify that the pilot did not walk away. He sustained serious injuries. Um, uh, okay, thank you. The, uh, he writes, he sustained serious injuries, uh, and the emergency crews had to carefully work to extricate him without causing more damage. So uh, um, I- I- if we were... F- uh, flippant or something when we first talked about this, uh, our apologies. Um, it, it, you know, when someone gets hurt, it's always a very serious yeah, matter, right. and uh, and we apparently didn't realize yeah, that at we, the time. We were under the impression that there were no injuries involved in this, yeah. so, so uh, uh, we, 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 we regret that. So, anyways, um, that's all I've got on this. Anything else you want to jump no, in here? No? no okay. I, I, uh, I, I haven't landed that many Cirruses, but they're, they're not that hard to land. Yeah. But, you know, there were extenuating circumstances, perhaps the helicopter, but the altitude and who knows what else. You know, we did t- we talked about the possibility that there was some sort of crosswind going on there, well, too. In, and, uh, in a few more months, we'll, I'll get to see the final report from the NTSB. Well, that plus, is, as I recall that video, the guy was just almost on top of the runway. And even if it stalled, it would have probably stalled straight down. So, I don't know. Yeah. But 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 staying away from Blackhawk is a really good That's idea. That's good advice. That's very good advice. Helicopters in general. Helicopters in general. I I used to have one, uh, in at the end of the hangar row across from me at Manassas, a Bell, um, a Huey size Bell, but I th- uh, certainly a twin, an EMS operation, and when they cranked up, they would blow dust for a hundred yards. Or 50 yards, anyway. Mm-hmm. And I was like 30 yards right. from the main rotor. And I just, it, the whole thing was just, the two operations are incompatible. I have nothing against helicopters. I have nothing against EMS. I have nothing against this particular operator. But they needed to be in a different location on the ramp. I can't I, I can't beat that. I mean, I got yeah. nothing to say. He's kept what he says. Yeah. Uh, so, I know of accidents involving light aircraft that got too close to the departure wash of a helicopter that was a few seconds out, and it was worse for them than encountering wake vortices at the same altitude, because everything went away and the whole thing came down. Wingtip vortices, you start to roll over like this guy did. Uh, that close to the ground... Baby, you you don't have a lot to to, to work with. No, you don't. Yeah, you, uh, you you've got limited choices. Yeah, so. and he's he's lucky. Um, all things considered. Yeah. Moving on. So we got a. Uh, Moving um, on to what? To another subject. Um, another plane. I, I'm not a. I'm not really a higher plane. I'm not an active user of either this sort of product or or an, this particular platform. But Jeb, you put on the list the fact that that you can now use Flight Feeder on Android. Is this is this a thing? Yeah, I need someone, I, and I will pay money. <laughs> I I've, I want heard it here, folks. I heard heard, heard it here first. Um, I'm trying. I was trying to set up an ADSB receiver on a, in my desktop system. I've got USB out the wazoo. Uh, I've got plenty of hard drive space. I've got plenty of processor. I've got plenty of RAM. And I cannot make this. I've got one of these European um, broadcast uh, television receivers, USB. And supposedly with a SDR software setup, you can use this to receive ADSB transmissions. 
literally broadcast uh, within range of your receiving antenna. And I can't for the life of me figure out how to set this up. So what's it supposed to be and do? It's basically an ADSB receiver. Okay. That's all it does. You talked about a receiver for the ADSB in stuff, the free weather service no. and traffic. No. Just I'm to receive the UAT and the 1090. It's an ADSB receiver. It receives ADSB signals sent by aircraft, airborne. Okay. It within, receives within, the out signals. Within, it receives the out signals um, within range of the antenna. So I, I've, I, 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 I guess I have a low uh, uh, tolerance or patience level or something. I've been trying to read through these. I cannot figure this out. And I, I, I've got the little, you know, the little dongle, and, and I, need, I know I need a better antenna, but I just want the software to work, you know. Mm-hmm. But w- this is a, a similar device, similar app, I guess, involving an Android uh, uh, device. And apparently with some very cheap dongle <coughs> pl- plugged into this Android device, one can receive and log and or retransmit uh, ADSB data, raw ADSB uh-huh. data. Okay. I'm just saying. No, oh, okay. Now, d- d- is this... Yeah, apparently. I, I, I really wonder if this is the thing, if this is really right. doable with an Android. Yeah, well, it's too bad there's not some gathering coming up where people who are knowledgeable of these things might be found. This is this is a possibility. Yeah, okay. You know, well, it's just 51 weeks it. away from the AEA convention. We'll check. Well, no, we'll track somebody down next week in, in Lakeland. And this, uh, Surprisingly enough, this did not come up at does the AEA convention. I had a feeling. Yeah. Some combination of either flight the flight feeder people... I assume there are flight feeder people. Flight feeder people? Yeah. Is, it, is this, you know... The flight um, feeder is the name of this, this receiver. Is this, you know, like a, a bad um, no. uh, <laughs> Twilight no. Zone uh, when it's really a oh, cookbook? I see. Is see, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. No. Be no. careful. He'll send you out into the cornfield. Yeah. Flight feeder is people. Uh, so... Um, We'll find these people, and we'll at least talk to them, if not get them on a podcast. Maybe we'll do a daily from, e- I don't know whether Flight Feeder has a booth or Flight Aware has a booth, but we'll find one or the other and do a daily from right there and ask them this question. Well, part, part of the you know, um, sites like Flight 24, they will plug you into their node. Into the, if, if you can figure out, uh, and I'm sure Flight Aware does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you can set up one of these little dongles on your desktop or, or laptop or whatever, and as long as you've got a decent antenna on it, it will receive ADSB signals in the raw, which are undecoded. Right. Uh, I'm sorry, unencrypted. Excuse me, I misspoke. They're unencrypted, mm-hmm. and you see the raw data if you want to look at it that finely. Um, but generally, some of these nodes are just used to feed as a feed to these other sites like fri- Flight Radar and um, okay. and uh, Flight Flight Aware. All right. Sounds good. I, yeah, no, it, no, and and, and it, listeners, I no guarantees. We'll try to find it, people we, like we this. We may or may not leave this in. Yeah. No. Well, no. no I, well, yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. But we'll have a. Qu- we'll have that conversation that, that with the meeting later on. Um, we're going to sushi, by the way. We're going uh, to uh, sushi. Yeah, we're heading. All up you can eat sushi. There's a, there's a, a really good uh, all you can eat sushi place here in uh, Sarasota that we uh, when the three of us all get together we do go. We, and, do we rock or what? Yeah. Really. Well, you know, and it's good that it, it's it's good that the three of us only get together occasionally. Otherwise, this place would be just be, be broken. It would be, uh, you know, because we're going to eat a lot of sushi tonight, I think, I expect. I suspect so. Yeah. So, anyways. I've had enough raw fish w- that they suspect that my mercury level could be used to tell the temperature. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, so folks will understand that that's what's, that's what's motivating me right now to say, shout outs. What do we got here? We're, um, I, I've got a couple of shout outs. Do you guys, I know you don't have the benefit of your various devices and notes and lists here. Um, but, uh, uh, let, let me start with, a, with with one particular shout-out that's uh, a little bit different than, than ones we've done in the past, and that has to do with something new regarding UCAP. Um, for many years now, uh, UCAP listeners have been supporting the podcast by making donations to our tip jar. 
like via P- PayPal and, and directly to occasionally when they, they meet us in, in person at, at fly-ins and, and whatnot. Um, and we're very, very appreciative of this support. We wouldn't be here without that. That's, well, I think we'd be here without it anyways, but it is it is nice, and, and it, it occasionally buys some oil or avgas or, or sushi or, 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 or the like. Um, so we are very appreciative of this support, and, and that way that you can help out UCAP is not going to go away. All right? But starting now, uh, we are introducing a new way that you can support UCAP. Uh, this is via a creative arts support site called Patreon. It's uh, Patreon. With Patreon, you can support creative products and programs by making automatic repeating donations to the creators of, of these uh, various products. Um, for example, some programs invite support on a monthly basis and others per episode or issue. And this latter way is how we're going to be inviting people to support UCAP. We hope that you will go to the Patreon site and show your support for UCAP by making a, making a donation for each episode that we create. Uh, you can donate as little as a dollar per episode or as much as you like. Uh, and every time we post a new episode, you will be notified and your donation will be automatically sent to us. Um, you can adjust your don- donation or cancel anytime you like. We've been doing UCAP all these years as a sort of professional hobby, all right, and we plan to continue that. But with the additional support we might get through Patreon, we could potentially take UCAP to a higher level, perhaps by increasing the episode frequency or adding new features to the show or, or even traveling more often to interesting events and locations that we could tell you about uh, the things that we find there uh, and talking with special guests. Uh, and we're going to be coming up with some special gifts that we that will be available only to listeners who provide this kind of special support to UCAP. So more on that later. So so please. I uh, might even donate. Yeah. <laughs> go to. Uh, Where do I sign up for this? Yeah, well, you know, the three of us may be the only ones who put any money in this in this particular kind of tip jar at all. This pa- this pat- patronage patron uh, jar at all. Please go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/uncontrolledairspace. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Uh, you get a chance to see how this works, and please consider uh, declaring your support for what we're doing here. And thank you very much for that. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are you two doing here is the really question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we're drinking your beer and, uh, you know. Uh, BYO. Oh, you brought the beer. That's right. David brought, bought the oh, beer. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, we're not even drinking your beer. Well, well, so y- you so you what's are. your problem? Yeah, you are. He's not, but you are. <laughs> Other shout-outs? Did you come up with anything? Yes, I have a couple of shout-outs here if my phone will wake back up. The uh, FAA's FAST team, uh, which is the uh, aviation safety branch, pr- safety advocate of, of the FAA. A lot of good people work there. A lot of good people trying to do a good thing. Um, there's a study they're, they're advertising. Um based on an Embry-Riddle University uh, project on your viewpoints towards ADSB. Asks you whether you're an aircraft owner. If you're not, if you're not, do you use ADSB in? Do you use ADSB out? How do you use AD, How much are you willing to pay to upgrade your existing aircraft to be compliant? Things of this sort. Uh, it, it's it. It looks like a fairly well done study. Uh, it asks a lot of of questions from both sides of the aisle, if you will, and uh, it, it's certainly worth uh, somebody clicking on for, for five or ten minutes, so we'll put that in the uh, in the uh, episode uh, links. Yeah, Okay. absolutely. Yeah. And so, I don't, let me see if I can open this real quick, because I'm working on my, on my phone here, but this is to the, uh, um, anybody who's looking for a slot in aviation in the Seattle area. Yeah, there, okay. There, yeah. There, there's an opening. There's an opening. If, there's, you, want, yeah. there, there, if you want to be a rampy, if you want to start at the bottom of uh, of uh, the, the, the aviation ladder, there's an opening for a rampy in Seattle for Alaska Airlines. Seems that, that their their former rampy uh, fell asleep in the in the cargo bay underneath the cockpit. And uh, of all the places to decide to catch a little Shazam, steal you know, a little nap, you know, is it's like that's not where I would do it. I, you know, I I want to think there's more to the story. Yeah. So and so I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What happened? He well, he, the airplane took off. Yeah. With, with him asleep apparently, in the uh, in the cargo bay underneath the cockpit, <laughs> and he's screaming and hollering and banging on stuff. 
Uh, notice I said stuff. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the you. airplane turned around and came back. It landed 14 minutes later. Or in this day and age, later. that's got to cause a commotion up in the cabin. Four, 14 minutes, according to, to Alaska yeah. Airlines. So, uh, so uh, yeah, well, I figure there's a there's an opening. At what What's the aircraft? 7-3, I'm sure. Think about the fuel used to start up taxi, oh, depart, yeah. come back, yeah. and make a landing. And the stress that it must have uh, been experienced by both the, the uh, detainee and the flight crew. <laughs> yeah. The flight crew's got to be going whiskey tangle, foxtrot. Who's thumping? Quick, get this airplane down. The, the press release. Uh, on it was a press release on, yeah, on Alaska Air's on yeah. Alaska Air's website. Yeah, uh, does not specify the type of aircraft, but I think. Alaska, chances are it's a 7-3. I mean, uh, percentage-wise, it's a 7-3. So, anyways, all right, so, you know, career, career, career opportunity. Career oppor- if you want to get on, you know, the, 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 the ground level in aviation, there's, there's an, an opening, opening in Seattle. And I will Sierra Tango Foxtrot uniform. <laughs> um, I have a shout-out uh, a little bit more serious, not that that wasn't serious, but but uh, I have a heartfelt shout-out here. I only discovered this today. Apparently, it only happened, like, two days ago. Our good pal Charlie Becker um, yeah. at at EAA yeah. uh, got a promotion. Shazam! Uh, Charlie Becker has been named the EAA Director of Chapters. Uh, I'm reading outstanding. Reading from uh, the EAA website here, EAA.org. Uh, Charlie Becker's role at EAA is expanding as the current as the current Director of Communities and Home Built Community Manager. Um, he has been named Director of Chapters. In that role, Charlie, uh, who is EAA Lifetime Member five one five eight zero eight, maybe I shouldn't put that in the podcast. That, well, it's on the it's on the website. Uh, will work to build and maintain relationships with EAA's nine hundred local chapters, support their growth, and help some of them serve an aviation as aviation beacons in their community. Um, Charlie is a little bit lower down in this article. Charlie is quoted by saying, uh, uh, for me personally, my two favorite things about EAA are home building and chapters. He says, I'm thrilled that I get to use my skills to help chapters be successful, grow, and serve as passionate outlets for grassroots aviation. Um, You know, I mean, there's a lot of great people at EAA, but he is great for this role. He is Charlie's just just great people. Yeah, and Uh, very... It's an honor and a privilege to... to to be uh, associated, to know him and, and, and work with him on various projects. I, I, I look forward to doing it more, but I can't think of anybody uh, more deserving yeah. and, and more dedicated. Or to better work, suited. Yeah. More yeah. dedicated to and better suited to to this kind of a role yeah. and wish him the best. And for anyone not familiar, um, Charlie was the one who was perhaps the person most instrumental in making the One Week Wonder thing last summer uh, happen. I and agree uh, with that. Um, you know, and and involved in all kinds of other programs as well. He's he's he's, he's and he presented us with the 200 episodes song. Yeah, he was one. Of the yeah, <laughs> Charlie's Charlie's. Uh, he's uh, been a great friend of this podcast he, from very early on. Him. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, David, you're having str- troubles over here. What's going Mosquitoes. on? Mosquitoes. Oh well, okay. Dude, it's Florida. <laughs> huh? It's it's Florida. Yeah. Don't say huh to me. What? Don't. <laughs> what else? Any other shout outs? Just a real quick to all of our friends up in Lakeland, uh, Lice Cleanhouse and Sandy Bridges and, and uh, Dave Shawbetter and all the others. They've already put in a tremendous amount of work, and it's not even opening day. Yeah. Uh, they had a big meeting of volunteers a few weeks ago where they they spent a couple of hours talking about changes on the grounds, things that they're going to be incorporating, uh, how they've tried to improve things. Uh you know, the word came out that the uh, seaplane splash had to be canceled this year because of high water and debris. And that's been the only down thing we've heard so far. But they've spent so much time, so many hours, the volunteers that have come back multiple times since last year to work on the grounds here and work on the changes. Uh, we wish you well. Our shout is we wish you a successful show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just as a reminder, like it's like uh, we mentioned earlier, we are going to be doing um, some episodes which you will be able to hear on our feed. And if you're at the uh, fly-in, come by and, and, and listen in and, and visit with us uh, Tuesday afternoon after the air show and Sunday morning starting at about 11. Um, and then we'll be hanging out. It, it, the, it, you know, the, the best way to catch us, if you want to try, all right, is that the uh, Sun and Fun radio station, Dave Shelburne and his whole gang are, are great hosts. 
and uh, we we hang out there a lot. And so uh, yeah. if you stop by there, certainly say hi to the Sun and Fun Radio folks who are all great people. Yeah. Um, and you you might bump into one of us there too. And, and we would love to have you do that. We'd love to have you come by and say there's hi. A, there's a lot of cool people hanging around radio. Oh it, yeah, it's certainly worth your stop. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, Sun oh, and Fun. they've had their own big changes there at the station and, and their and editing studio and. Oh, the de- there, uh, yeah, there's really only one question yeah. that, re- that. Yeah, that I know what you're going to say. What, what's the one question? They still have waffles. Do they still have waffles? I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty sure they do. Um, but uh, anyways, um, I think that's it. Fork time. Stick it. Stick it. We gotta get some. We got some sushi waiting for us here. So we're gonna do a little abbreviated version here. Oh, let's go fish. My two good friends here, uh, Dave Higdon, an aviation photographer, aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. Um, I don't really care what you're working on, David. Uh, but uh, where can people? <laughs> <laughs> where where? At last, the truth will out. <laughs> but uh, where can people find you on the internet? It's the humidity. Uh, uh, do you have it in your head? I know you don't have your notes in front of you here. Uh, where can you find me on the abbuyer.com internet? Abbuyer.com/slash. Gee, many uh, this month Aviation Safety Magazine uh, you got, online. You the got cover. The, you got the cover. The cover. Then we'll have a. We're on the cover of the most recent avionics news too. Yeah. Uh, so there you so go. So am I. There you go. So, uh, anyways, that's great. And uh, and all kidding aside, Jeb, thank you for being such a gracious host and letting us come down here and and uh, and invade your space. Y'all broke my toilet. No, no, it was broken. Once again, it was broken by the time I arrived. All right, just to be clear. Always reaffirming his tolerance for aggravation. I just, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just. I don't know. Jeb is uh, is uh, speechless, but uh, most of the time he's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. I don't care what you're working on either, but where can people find you on the internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com uh, and on the Twitter machine at Burnside J. Yeah, and I'm Jack Hodgson, a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, you find me at uh, jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net and uh, Twitter, Jack Hodgson, and in uh, in all that kind of good stuff. Uh, so, uh, uh, thanks to all the usual uh, 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 gang of suspects Sus- here. Suspects. Suspects. Uh, uh, Jeff Ward, of course. Uh, we, we we'd be terribly remiss not to thank uh, Jeff. All the time. Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, Jim Goldman, all the folks who did our disclaimer clips. Um, I'm gonna sushi's waiting, man, and we want to get over there. So uh, you. you you guys have heard this before. Listen to the end of another episode. Who's driving? And uh, I don't know. Uh, anyways, um, but one thing we don't want to skip. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Old age is wonderful, I hear. And the best way to get there is to fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. We're proof. <laughs> and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And eating sushi. <laughs>